0: the separation of church and lay jurisdictions because church and state were to a great extent undifferentiated in anglo-saxon england it is relatively easy to trace the influence of christianity and of the church upon the english kings and their law codes ecclesiastical and non-ecclesiastical laws were not the product of separate legislative bodies issuing separate codes rather the king, as head of the nation and of the church, with the advice and counsel of his Witan, consisting of bishops and other ecclesiastics, eldermen and thanes, legislated for both state and church. There was not the same separation between sacred and secular that characterised the period following the Papal Revolution. After the Papal Revolution, however, the church ceased to be a national institution under the headship of its national leader or king. The church throughout Western Europe became an international organization under the primacy of Rome with the clergy owing their allegiance to the pope who ruled the church like an emperor. At the same time the jurisdiction of the church became autonomous of the jurisdiction exercised in the royal royal communal and feudal courts. The pope became in a new sense, the head of the church. The church as an institution became a spiritual empire with its own rules and law, with the clergy as the officials of that empire, owing their allegiance to their prince, the Pope. The result was that the dichotomy between the sacred or spiritual realm and the secular or temporal realm became much more pronounced. Matters of law relating to the spiritual realm became the domain of canon law, while those relating to the secular realm came under the jurisdiction of the royal courts and of the king. Actions involving the clergy or touching on spiritual matters and crimes that merited spiritual penalties would be brought in the ecclesiastical courts under canon law, whereas actions involving laymen or relating to secular matters would be brought in the royal courts under the jurisdiction of the king. This does not mean, however, that the Church and the State were totally separate in legal matters. For example, an offence that was spiritual and in the first instance to be tried under canon law, such as heresy, could lead to the defendant, if found guilty, being transferred to the temporal jurisdiction to be tried and punished by the secular authorities. But The Church acquired a legal jurisdiction in matters relating to spiritual things that was autonomous of secular jurisdiction. The Church also claimed jurisdiction over temporal matters in certain cases, and, indeed, the papacy claimed to be the final court of appeal in all matters, spiritual and temporal. It based its claim to this jurisdiction on Deuteronomy 17, 8-12, and 1 Corinthians 6, 1-3. The secular authorities also attempted to encroach upon the jurisdiction of the church. Consequently, although it was recognised that lay and ecclesiastical courts were distinct and separate legal systems with their own jurisdictions, there was also the inevitable conflict of interests between the two, which often claimed jurisdiction over the same cases. The conflict between Thomas Becket and Henry II was a glaring example of the problem. Despite the gains made by the Church as a result of the Papal Revolution, and in England later as a result of the murder of Becket and Henry's renunciation of the offending articles in the Constitutions of Clarendon, the State slowly wrested much of the Church's jurisdiction from the ecclesiastical courts in the centuries that followed. The Church's influence on life and society was not diminished, however, The investiture struggle led to increased power and authority for the Church in many ways. The influence of the Church on secular law was less direct, but real nonetheless. Influences which helped to shape and inform canon law also passed into secular law. Indeed, the term common law itself was originally used by the canonists to denote the general and ordinary law of the universal Church, in contrast to the particular rules of local churches, and eventually the term passed into secular law. Other elements, including some elements of Roman law, as refashioned by the canonists, also passed into secular law. The influence of the church on the developing common law system was significant, if less direct, than the church's influence on secular law in the Anglo-Saxon period. And Christian principles although often heavily overlaid with the errors of Roman Catholic dogma, continued to influence the development of secular legal thought. We shall now attempt to trace out some of these Christian influences.